eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest on this podcast, someone, if you are a sports fan, particularly an NFL fan, you know very well. Susie Colbert joined ESPN in 1993 and has been a centerpiece of their NFL coverage since um, her resume would be too long to give out, but she has hosted Monday Night Countdown, uh, Monday Night Football's pregame show, Monday Night Football halftime and postgame. She was a sideline reporter for Monday Night Football's coverage on ABC for a while, longtime contributor to uh, their Super Bowl coverage and obviously their NFL draft coverage, which uh, this podcast will uh, focus significantly on. She's been doing red carpet and green room interviews at the NFL draft since 2004. Uh, prior to her switch to really be full-time football, um, Susie Coble did a lot of things at ESPN that uh, you might have forgotten, covered, uh, was the host of the French Open coverage, Wimbledon coverage, X Games, was a longtime sports center anchor, did triple count horse racing, and then for some of you who remember this, when ESPN2 launched in 1993, Susie Coble was on the air with, uh, with Keith Oberman for that first uh, show. Or that first moment, which was a show called uh, Sports Night. So, I mean, really a storied career at ESPN and an interesting person to talk to when it comes to the NFL draft because she has been a significant contributor to ESPN and ABC's coverage. So, Susie Culber for about uh, 40 plus minutes or so coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, as I said at the top, I mean, if you've been watching, ESPN for the last 20-something years. You know who Susie Culber is. She, um, as I said briefly, she joined ESPN in 1993. She's been a centerpiece of their uh, NFL coverage over the years. Seen her on Monday Night Countdown, Monday Night Football pregame shows, hosting the Super Bowl coverage, uh, Monday Night Football halftime and postgame. Um, she, for the purposes of this podcast, since I want to talk to her, obviously, about the NFL draft, she's been doing green room and podium interviews for the NFL draft since 2004. So think about that. Just think about how many, uh, I mean, Hall of Fame types she has interviewed as a member of ESPN's NFL draft coverage. And pleased to be joined 
by Susie Kolber, who's doing us a solid here, doing this podcast while driving, I think maybe to the airport, on her way to the NFL draft. Susie, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. You are correct. <laughs> it's great to be with you, and you are correct. I am driving to the airport, flying to Vegas today. All right. We <laughs> Nice of you to fit, to fit us in, is in, a, in what clearly is a very busy day. Here's where I want to start because this is kind of interesting to me, and I'm not I'm not sure if I've ever asked you this just in the previous times I've talked to you, but as specific as you can, how do you prepare for your role at the NFL draft, which, as I mentioned earlier, is is interviewing people from the stage? Uh, because you obviously don't know who the first 32 picks are going to be, and just given your position um, covering the NFL, it, it's not like you have a ton of experience. Uh, not experience, but it's not like you've interacted necessarily with many of these players. So what's the process in terms of preparing to be ready for whoever is announced on that podium? Well, candidly, I don't watch a ton of college football. I know the biggest names and the biggest teams and that stuff is sort of natural. But to really dig down, it starts for me, it's all, it's, it's simple and it's complicated. It starts for me with the Senior Bowl. I record the Senior Bowl because usually it's overlapping Pro Bowl or something else that I'm involved in for the NFL. But I have that in the DVR, and that's my jumping-off point is to watch some of these guys, the older guys, in person in the last live action that anybody's going to see. Then in past years, my, my setup and what I'm doing now is just a little bit different. But in past years, I would be at the NFL Combine and as we would bring all of these prospects through for all the photo shoots that you see on draft coverage, I would meet those guys for the first time and have a chance to say hi and shake their hand and a lot of times try to already you know, ask them if they're going to the site of the draft. But that would be the first face-to-face. And from there, I dive into the combine. And that's just a great opportunity to start hearing the names, seeing the faces, learn the pronunciation, get some of the background. Our friends at NFL Network do such a spectacular job of laying all that groundwork out. So a big kudos to Daniel Jeremiah and Charles Davis and Rich Eisen, because I'm the biggest fan. I am watching that from start to finish. From there, it's a matter of then digging in on some of the projected higher picks, biggest names, and reading as much about their backstories as possible. I become an, again, avid viewer of NFL Network and ESPN. Anytime these guys are on the TV, in live interviews, in vignettes, I'm watching, I'm taking notes, I'm learning their faces, their personalities. And then the biggest thing for me is the night before the draft, these guys are usually assembled at something or they're at their team hotel. And then that's my opportunity to get as much one-on-one time with as many of those guys as possible so that when they have their biggest moment of their life, I'm not a stranger. I'm a familiar face. And we've already talked and we've already talked about something we might want to cover. Maybe it's something sensitive a parent who's passed or a grandparent who's passed to make sure they're okay with that, how we're going to cover it, and maybe dig a little more into some of the nitty-gritty. So that brief interview on the stage 
is as personal as possible. And that's the ultimate goal. That's interesting. Actually, I did not know that. I did not know that you, um, there's, there's the opportunity to talk to those players um, the night before, because one of the things that I was curious about is, is how do you get some kind of, um, I mean, intimacy is not the right word, but you know, how do you break down um, the barrier between, you know, two strangers um, that quickly when you're doing that also in front of a national television audience? But I guess uh, right. Susie, and, I'm, and with the emotions are so high yeah. too, and and I'm I you said you didn't know that I had the opportunity. I have made the opportunity. Yeah, right. And it started with um, one of our former um, talent recruiters. The talent um, works in our talent office. She, excuse me, she used to Jacqueline Aronson. She started this for me. She had so many contacts in that whole world and and agents and marketing people. That's kind of how it started. She and I were this great team. And she would make sure, as they were doing, bouncing around all their sponsor responsibilities, she would make sure that I got time, whether it was in the play, in the lobby of the hotel or while they were making the rounds, she would make sure I got that time. Once we established that, it, it created so many better moments, I thought, on the stage, because that moment on the stage is so fleeting. And the last thing I wanted to be is generic. It means a lot. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to them and their families. That moment is captured forever. It's it's the once in a lifetime. There's only one time ever they just found out they've been drafted into the NFL. And the emotions are so high. So, again, that's why, to me, the value is make it as personal as possible. It'd be easy to just be generic. That'd be easy. But this is one of... My absolute favorite events and favorite things I do, just because it, it is so life-changing and it makes it more fun for me to know the backstories. Then the emotion means so much more. Watching the families, you know, watching how everybody reacts to that moment, it, it, it means so much more when you know the story. So I'll say that last year, in fact, the last two years, two years ago, we were completely remote. And then last year, because of all the restrictions, the COVID restrictions, I couldn't, I couldn't meet the guys. And in fact, on the stage, I couldn't even stand next to them. We had to be separated by however many feet, six to 10 feet. So I, I just, I hated last year because I hadn't met those guys on stage last year. And to me, it felt completely different because of that. That makes sense. Um, so you you sort of you mentioned that, um, and that's really interesting background. Just you, you've made the um, you've made the opportunity to meet some of these guys, and and if nothing else, so they recognize your face when you interview them on stage. Uh, you know when they're drafted. One of the things that you have to navigate, or historically have had to navigate, is something newsworthy about the player or about the player's backstory with the larger, obviously, moment of you've just been drafted into the NFL. You know, what does this mean for you? Or, you know, what do you think of this team? There have been times, Susie, as you know, you've been criticized sometimes for people saying, well, you're, um, uh, you know, this, uh, this is, uh, I'll sort of paraphrase, you know, manipulating a moment or trying to make a moment more dramatic. How, how do you navigate 
the very, very small amount of time you have with the decision to ask them what you're going to ask them? Well, uh, an example would be Laramie Tunsil that turned into the offensive lineman that turned into actual news in, in the moment that evening, which I'll say is, is when it's nice to have somebody who is, does have a journalism background, you know, working in the green room because you never know. You never know what might happen. I mean, my my response to the manipulating the bubble would be, number one, and I think something we've probably talked about in the past is, I couldn't tell you who's saying that because I don't ever read anything about me. I don't follow myself on any social media, so I don't see those things. All I know is I'm trying to create the most genuine personal moment. I'm never thinking in my mind, I'm one of, I'm manipulating the moment to make it more whatever. I want it to be genuine and emotional for the kid because it's their, it's their crowning moment. Most of them have dreamed about this since they were eight. So it's like you don't have to reach very far to make it a great moment in that sense. You just want to make sure that you know something personal about them. So you ask the right question to elicit a better response in a moment that is so emotional when they could tend to be generic because they're overwhelmed. So all I'm ever thinking about is what's something that's going to feel more personal in this moment. So I, I always, I, I watch everything I do. I, I watch back every Monday night countdown each week because I'm my own biggest critic and I'm, after however many years, always still trying to get better. So I always save last year's draft for right before I'm about to leave for the next year's draft. It's just a really good reminder of just the feel and the moment and, oh, you know, I could do that a little better or I would like to change this. So just the other night, I watched last year's draft. And I was probably most proud of, and again, I hadn't personally met these guys last year, that they listened to my question and answered it. They didn't take a generic path. The question was, I think, personal enough that they answered the question. And that's really all you can ask for. Do we want some big, hard-hitting thing in that particular moment? That's what you have to be really sensitive about. If it's appropriate, I have no problem asking a tough question, no matter where I am. But it has to be in the appropriate moment. I know from talking to uh, people in the truck who uh, who have produced a draft for many years that both ESPN and the NFL Network get the pick about 30 seconds or whatever it is, a minute, before the name is announced on screen. The reason for that, of course, is because you know you have to have the you want to have graphics set, you want to be able to have be able to roll your uh, player highlight tape, etc. At what point in your position as the um, as the stage interviewer, at what point do you get word of the player who's about to be picked? Well, sometimes I even get a little advance on that because I like to be in the green room when the pick is made and then race to the stage because I really enjoy seeing that moment. And also, at times, and this goes back to the Mitchell Trubisky draft, 
where I believe we had all of our cameras. We Everybody thought it was going to be Solomon Thomas. And all the cameras were at Solomon Thomas. And Mitchell Trubisky's agent tapped me on the shoulder and said to me, your cameras are in the wrong place. This was seconds before. But that was like a red alert to the truck. We're in the wrong spot. So a lot of times I will see the call come in. We don't show the call anymore because fans have told us loud and clear they don't want to know ahead of time. They don't want to see, they don't want the, the, um, the picks tipped. But if I'm in the green room, I see the call happen. So often I know it before even the truck knows it or before the NFL tells us. I see it and I know it. And all that really does for me is it gives me a chance to, I've made, because everything happens fast, my last step is I make individual note cards for each player with, you know, the the idea of the question that I want to ask is on there. And I have an opportunity and make my way to the stage. So it's just, you know, it's probably for me, you know, 90 seconds advance to get my thoughts together and know. And then as soon as the player walks down that ramp to the stage, I'm right behind them and and then ready to go on the stage as soon as they are. I mean, you know, I'm asking you like to, you know, make a sort of a a judgment call or, or, or a choice out of, God, you know, 700 names, but, uh, is there one particular interview over the, the course of the time that you've done this that, you know, you say to yourself, man, that I'm glad I was part of that moment. That was that was just really cool and, and ultimately great TV. My, my main one is Mark Ingram when he was drafted to the Saints. And again, somebody could be critical and say manipulated the moment. To me, it was trying to make it as, fabulous and personal and connecting Mark to something that was truly important to him. So Mark's dad, who also played in the NFL, a running back, I believe, for the Giants, uh, was incarcerated at the time. They're, the two of them are very close. And it took weeks of legwork to make the connection to him, to dad, And dad wrote a letter to his son about how proud he was in that moment on draft day. So, in fact, um, between NFL Network and ESPN, you know, we we, um, ping pong back and forth who talked to the player first. Like each year you either have odd or even. For example, this year we have odds we're first. So that pick was actually... NFL Networks and Dion Sanders was was doing the interviews at the time, and I said to Dion, "You need to let me go first on this one," which he is totally cool about. And I asked Mark a first question about being drafted, and then I said to him, "I I have a message from your dad," and I started to read him some of what his dad had sent me, and I said to him is there something you want to say to your dad? And Mark turned away from me and put his head down. And in the moment, I kind of didn't know exactly what was happening in that second. And he wheeled back around with tears in his eyes and looked straight into the camera and talked to his dad. 
And I loved that moment because he and his dad connected in his most important moment. And I felt proud that I helped make that happen. I brought his dad to the draft with him. Uh, and we'll just uh, just for the clarification, Mark Ingram Sr., he was a wide receiver for the Giants uh, back in the day. Yeah, so, Susie, I want to ask you a broad question about um, about being part of ESPN's NFL coverage. Um, for anyone who knows your career, you weren't only you were you were not always you know sort of NFL exclusive. Um, you know, I remember you hosting Wimbledon and the French Open. If you go way back. Uh, in in yeah. the day, which is pretty awesome. Those are two great assignments, by the way. Just yeah. independent of, independent of this question, but it seems like at a certain point, um, professionally, you made a career decision to be NFL specific. Now, to me, like if you love the NFL, that's an incredibly smart decision because it's the most important sport and the biggest sport in the country. Um, financially. Let's just be blunt. It's 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 the most important sports property to ESPN. And I think you can make an argument that it really would give you longevity in sports broadcasting because the reality is the NFL's never, at least in our lifetime, obviously nothing it's not gonna fold, it's not gonna go away. And they should always need, you know, quality voices or quality thinkers when it comes to that sport. So I wonder just if, uh, and again, I know it's a while now, but in broad strokes, was this a specific decision by you? Did you make a decision at one point during your career at ESPN? Like I'm going to be specific to this. And if so, what was the thinking behind that? Yes, it was a decision to do that. I've, I've loved everything I've covered and I, I hosted NASCAR for ESPN as well. Whatever the, the X games I've loved all of those events, anything that I do, I pour my soul into. But since I was eight years old, I have loved the NFL. So if I had to choose one thing, that's the true, that's the true love. That's my heart and soul is the NFL. Also, if we just steps back, it wasn't, it didn't always feel quite as year round. So with ESPN and the opportunity of shows like NFL Live or I hosted NFL Insiders that I was really proud of for a, for a long time. There was plenty of opportunity that ESPN also gave us to be able to work on a sport year-round, which is great. So the combination of those things, it being my number one passion, the opportunity being there, and then also... It does help streamline life a little bit. Even though it's a year-round thing, concentrating on one sport not only makes it possible for me to do the job the way I want to do it, but I'm a single mom, and I also like to feel like I have a life. So both concentrating on one thing also just, just helps across the board. So it really is just win-win all the way around. And you use the word longevity. It's probably the thing I'm most proud of in this business. This business is tough and it's cruel and uh, it's cutthroat, competitive. So I'm, I'm very proud that I'm still around, still around doing something that I love and, and being on the road for Monday Night Football has never gotten old. 
We're always trying to raise the bar on the show, do things bigger and better. So the energy is still there. The passion and the energy is still there. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm so unbelievably fortunate to still be doing this. You, um, you mentioned longevity, and I'm glad you said that because this is something um, I did want to get into a little bit with you. There's, um, in any profession, there's a skill set for someone to thrive and survive at a high-profile organization as big as ESPN, and you've done that. Um, you mentioned it's a competitive place. It absolutely is. Um, you have seen many of your contemporaries um, leave that place or been laid off at that place in the last 5 to 10 to 15 years. Um, why do you see – or let me – I would take that back. What do you see as the reason for your, for your longevity – at a very, very competitive place for on-air people. Let me first say that the layoffs over the years have been so unbelievably brutal. Uh, just just heart-wrenching. So many people that had been there for so long and that I started with and, and to see them go and to see things change has been really, really tough. And more than anything, I would say versatility has been the key that especially going back, there weren't a lot of people who I, I could host, I could report, uh, including sidelines, go do features, kind of whatever it is I was asked I could do, I could accomplish. And then I have always been willing to outwork anybody. Nobody's going to outwork me. Over the years, and I've done this for so long, it's a it's relationship business. And being connected in the NFL with just so many coaches and general managers and players and over the years, I mean, all of that obviously helps. And uh, just an ability to be able to do the job at a high level and continue to do that and really never take your foot off the gas. I don't think I could operate like that. Like I kind of only know one way to operate, you know, like full speed. I don't know how to not prep through the years. I've thought, you know, I, I know how to get on the air. I could probably do less. Like I think of like Tom Brady telling us in meetings how, you know, he has learned to be more efficient through the years. I, I, yes, I learned how to be more efficient, but I just don't know how to prep any less. It's my comfort zone. I would imagine I would, I can't imagine the nurse that went on the air not feeling prepared and ready. It's, it's live TV. So I think those are all the ingredients. Still being passionate, the audience recognizing that, and, and being respected in the business. And, and thankfully, all our, our bosses, executives at ESPN have recognized that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
All right, I want to ask you a question here. I realize you're going to have to be a little, um, I don't know if diplomatic is the right word, but circumspect, if nothing else, and I respect that. Um, so I'll sort of try to ask it in a way where you can provide my audience with some information, but obviously not go to any place that you're not comfortable with. Um, you've seen your contemporaries, um, and when I say contemporaries, I'm talking about on-air contemporaries, people like Trey Wingo, Kenny Maine, I think those are friends of yours, in fact, um, leave ESPN when they were asked to take a pay cut. Consequently, a lot of the people who have those kind of profiles, high profiles, have left ESPN and found greener pastures outside of that place, to be very blunt. Uh, certainly financially, Mike Golick's another example of this. So I have a two-part question. First off, um, did you ever examine what might be outside of ESPN? Because as a very, very high-profile person in the business, especially when it comes to the NFL, the reality is you would have opportunities from places that would be interested in in your name. But at the same time, you've also worked at ESPN for a long, long time. You've built up a lot of institutional um, cachet and, and value there. So I respect that it's, it would not be an easy decision even to look around. But I did want to ask you that just because there are specific contemporaries, people you worked with for multiple decades who, who did leave and have found success elsewhere. I don't mind being candid about this. Obviously, to a certain point, I was asked to take a pay cut as well. And I did. Uh, was I happy about it? Uh, no, obviously, but especially just because of some other things that were transpiring at the same time as I was negotiating my deal. I think most important is I really love what I do at ESPN. I really, I really love being a part of Monday Night Football. Love being on the road, love the energy in the stadium, love the whole crew that I work with, very talented, not just the guys on the set, but the people behind the scenes. I really love that. And the niche that I've carved out for myself at ESPN. So it was a decision to make. And sometimes it's a little bit of, you know, swallowing your pride, but saying what's really important in life. What do I want for my life? What do I want for my family? All of those things have to be, you know, weighed. And I had the conversations, you know, Trey and Kenny, and and it's obviously awesome for those guys, you know, what they've been able to accomplish outside. This worked for me. And I understand the landscape of the industry and things that have happened and and how fortunate I am. So I made that decision for myself. You, um, in, the, in given that, I mean, obviously one makes the logical presumption then that you re-signed with ESPN. Uh, usually they do this for multiple years. Is are you, are you now signed under contract for multiple years as we're speaking on this day in, in April 2022? That is correct. I, I prefer, I don't, I like, I am painfully private and I like everything about my life to be private. So I never like any of those things to be publicized, but I have no problem saying I'm going to be at ESPN for a little while longer, which is great. Well, as you know, I already know what the answer with this to this would be Susie. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Maine, as you 
I'm sure well aware, specifically told me how much of a percentage pay cut they asked him to take. I'm guessing, given your private nature, that's not a number you want to put out there. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Uh, but respect nice, to, but uh, nice try. Nice try. Yeah, I, tr- I tried to ask that in a savvy way. But I knew what, <laughs> I knew how the race was ending. Let's put it that way. You know, when when I say to you, this is your 29th year at ESPN. Like, if I literally say that sentence, that has to be, that has to be insane to hear, right? I mean, that's. You That's know, crazy. when you said when you said how long I've been doing the interviews on the stage at the draft, it, it's just amazing how time flies. It really is that I I <laughs> I can't believe how old I'm going to be in a couple of weeks. I I I don't. Everyone in my family feels young and thinks young, and and that's my outlook on life. And I I eat great and love to work out and you know that's a big part of my life is is health and approaching things so it's um it's hard to even relate to all of those numbers and again all i can say is i'm just really fortunate to just still be doing this and and having fun it's it's um it's just so uh you know like such an an unbelievable, um, an unbelievable life to be able to have been doing this for so many years and, and enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. couple more here. Um, you've hosted studio shows for a couple decades now at ESPN. Um, for, from your perspective as a host... Is the skill set the same today in 2022 as it was in 1998, 1999, or is it different? And if it is different, how is it different? I guess the, the nuts and bolts of it are the same. Um, there's there's certainly maybe more of a value at through the years being more unscripted, just being able to, and that's something I've always prided myself in, whether it was hosting X Games or Monday Night Countdown or any of it, or being on the sideline, is that ability to be able to ad-lib and be natural and just talk. And it's, it's certainly not a, it's certainly not a read the teleprompter business. Not at this level. So, to have those skills really developed and to feel comfortable and to be able to deal with anything in the moment. Uh, but I guess that's something that always existed at the highest level if you wanted to be really good at it. it anybody could read a teleprompter. When, it's easy to do the job when, when nothing's going wrong. The, the most challenging thing is to make it still look easy and fun when the shit is hitting the fan and I think through the years, you know, like we do a pretty good job of navigating all of that. That's that's the biggest gig. 
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So I have two more for you. This is a bit of a theory, uh, and I just want to get your take on uh, my theory sort of on you. Uh, you, you, have, you have told me this before, uh, and so you're very consistent with this. When it comes to social media, like you, you have – I think you have an Instagram account. I'm pretty no, sure you have a Twitter account too. But you're, you're, not, you're not particularly active on it, and if you're posting something on Instagram, let's say, it's really just like you at a stadium or you with your colleagues and like, hey, we're in – Kansas City, blah, blah, blah. You rarely, if ever, I, if quite, quite frankly, I don't even remember you ever doing this. You don't, generally speaking, have takes on things. You don't comment on the news of the day, including the sports news of the day. And then even if something is involved with you, like someone, like, you know, you mentioned the Mark Ingram thing, or, and we talked about this, you were really very cool with me because I'm probably one of the first people who you actually went in deep with this when what happened with Joe Namath on Monday Night Football. You're just not one like where we're going to get like your innermost thoughts on a daily basis on stuff. <laughs> and I would argue that it's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good uh, template if you want long-term success in the business. So here's my theory on this, Susie. This is my big preamble. Okay. I think there's value in not knowing everything about someone in the same way, I always think the best actors in Hollywood, they do their movie, they do their press, and then they get away. Actor and actresses for like a year or two, and you don't necessarily read about them every single second. And then when they do a movie again, it's like, oh, this person's kind of interesting. Like, I haven't heard from them in a while. And so that's my sort of theory on you, that in, in a weird way, not necessarily being super active on social media, not necessarily like letting us know every single thing you think about everything has been a value because it makes you, I think, a more interesting person when we do see you. Do you, do you buy that five-cent theory from me? Well, I, I, I like the theory. It sounds good. I, I certainly have not put that type of thought into it more than anything, and we've probably touched on this before, is I just, I happen to really enjoy following. I follow a ton of people and all kinds of things on Twitter, on Instagram. I really, I I really enjoy it, but there's also so much negative energy. I have zero time for the negative energy, especially directed at me and, and then for me to engage in that. It's um, so unbelievably unhealthy and especially for women in this business, if you could see a tiny sampling of the crap that's out there. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So it takes a ton of discipline to never look. And there's plenty of times where I'm like, my thumb is there, like, just no. Because you're going to go down this rabbit hole of just negativity. Why? So it's not like I don't, I, I see a great value in social media for so many things and I get a ton of news off of it and thoroughly enjoy so many people that I follow. It's just not for me 
the whole engaging part and it's just and it goes along with being private and I I don't know you might people might think it's funny I, I don't know why anybody would care what I'm doing what I ate for breakfast where I'm going I, I kind of don't know why anybody would care I my, my job try to teach people about the players they love and the coaches they love and the game and and help people make that connection. That's my job. That's why I'm doing it. I guess, and sort of old school is, even when I'm on the set with the guys, well, it's, they're the Hall of Famers. It's their turn to shine. The players on the stage on Thursday night, I want to ask the simplest, best question because it's their moment to shine. And that just sort of fits in with also, why do you need to know more about me? To me, that's that's not the job. The uh, So here's my last one for you. Um, on this podcast over the years, I've had um, many of your contemporaries in the business um, in terms of women who have who would I would sort of consider have had significant pioneering roles roles. Uh Holly Rowe, Pam Oliver is a perfect example, Doris Burke. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna name everyone, but I, I think you sort of understand sort of um the group of people uh who would be part of that, including you. And it's very hard, I think, to do this when you're in the middle of your career as you are. But when you walk away from the business, um you will really have been a pioneer when it comes to high profile women on NFL coverage. Uh, there were obviously hosts before you, uh, you know, including way back in the seventies and Phyllis George and Jane Kennedy. But the reality is when, when you are done, you will be one of the highest profile women to have had a long, consistent career hosting NFL coverage on one of the most important sports, uh, network platforms that exist. And I don't know. I'm just curious if like, how does that make you feel? Do you hear from younger women who say that they saw you on TV and like your representation sort of made them believe that they could do this because some um, there, there, there have not been many people who have had your kind of run. And I maybe make the argument that maybe no one's had your kind of run when it comes to the NFL, because no one's hosted high profile NFL things. Uh, no woman has hosted high profile NFL shows as, as long as you have. So that's all really, really cool. <laughs> and I appreciate you saying that. And yes, I've mentored lots of young women in the business and talked to them. And, and it does, you know, it happens quite frequently where someone will say, you know, they've watched me forever, whatever the case is. I, I could probably do a better job of stepping back and sort of seeing it. I, I may not because my, my head's down and I'm working and I tend to be pretty game face in the moment. Maybe should step back and sort of appreciate that a little bit more. So I appreciate you saying that because it is sometimes nice to stop and slow down and look around a little bit in that sense. You know, like I've mentioned a number of times, I obviously feel fortunate what I'm doing, but maybe the part about how I've done it and how long I've done it and the impact I've had, I don't think about that a lot. My my mom and dad <laughs> try to remind me of that. And I guess 
while I'm in it and doing it, it's hard to see. So, so thank you for reminding me. Uh, all right, I'm going to say the same thing that I've said to you know Pam Oliver the many times she's been on this podcast. Don't retire, Susie. That's my my advice. <laughs> Go as long as you can. Go as long as they'll pay you. I guess. Um, Susie well, I'm, Col- I'm working hard. I refuse to get old, Richard. So maybe I can stick around. Yeah, you do. You've dipped into that fountain of youth. You should. You, should, you have a book in you, I think, for that. Um, Susie Colbert will be on. Um, ESPN's coverage of the NFL draft, which uh, as we're taping this with Susie, the draft is uh, April 28th. We're taping this a couple hey, days. Can I, can I add one thing? Cause, yeah, please. Because I know you've got tons of people who check in on this. So new for this year, we're trying something new. We uh, ESPN and ABC want to really try to differentiate the two broadcasts. Right. So the on-stage interviews will be on ABC. Oh, that's great! I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna start on ESPN in the green room and and interview and report, and then the for once the draft kicks off, once the, the bags are on the clock, I am on ABC with that crew, so we can sort of do more of that storytelling. Right. Laura will be in the green room, and she'll be talking to to family members and got great little vignettes on the players and then i'll do the interviews on stage on abc that's cool because the abc one maybe even get an extra question or two just given that they're the impetus on that is storytelling and backstory um uh more than the 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 espn uh program which is very much catered to how does this pick impact said team and how will said player you know sort of work within that so that's cool all right Susie colbert she just said she'll be on espn and abc's nfl draft coverage this weekend uh as i mentioned again at the top um you know if you are an nfl fan in this country you have likely seen her hosting uh, a multitude of things on espn uh again crazy to think about Susie culver was literally on the air when espn 2 started uh which you know now Susie, for both me and you a lot of kids who were born after ESPN2 was started now uh, <laughs> interacting with our content, which to me is crazy, just to think about that. Crazy. Listen, Susie, whenever I've had uh, the opportunity to talk to you, you've always been candid, and you've always, uh, you've always given me time. I know you don't do a ton of these, so I really sincerely appreciate it. Uh, have a great draft, and thank you so much for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you. It's always, it's always great to talk to you. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Susie Culber for her uh, for her uh, transparency and time and and insight. Uh, if you like these kind of conversations, head to the Sports Media with Richard Deitch uh, page wherever you listen to this: Apple, Google, uh, Play, Stitcher. Uh, leave us a five star review and a note as to why you like the podcast. Uh, that stuff really really helps. Uh, conversations before our conversation with Susie Culber, Gus Johnson was a guest on this podcast uh, on calling the NBA again. It'd been fun to hear. Gus's uh, voice also had uh, Bill Shea and Robert Seidman on uh, what we think the prospects of the USFL are long term. Before that, ESPN investigative reporter Paula Levine and ESPN senior writer Tom Junod on their piece on uh, Todd Hodney, a uh, serial rapist and uh, murderer who was a part of the Penn State football program in the 1970s. Before that, Lisa Byington, uh, television voice of the Bucks, Kate Scott, television voice of the Sixers, reflecting on their first year in the booth. Um, plenty of podcasts that I think uh, will hold up. If you like this kind of stuff, head to the archives and check it out. Uh, 
I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his work. Thanks to everybody who came to the team for the support. Mostly thanks to you for listening. See you soon on the Sports Media Podcast. <laughs>